1: Just go to ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
2: Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Ukrainian chorus Dumka of New York.
3: Saturday
1: night. So that's the way Saturday Night Live opened on Saturday night which I thought was awesome and I thought that's the way we would open today. Welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Um, what a, an amazing history making weekend. I don't know how much y'all followed it and uh, I understand if you didn't but man I could not get enough of it. I constantly going to every news source I could for the very latest and basically uh, most of the time just trying to check and see if Kiev was still in the hands of the people who live there, and if poor President Zelensky was still alive, and I don't know that I would have bet money on Friday that he was going to survive the weekend, and uh, he has, and um, we'll bring you some of the latest throughout the day with a number of guests that can uh, enlighten and inform us on where we are on the whole thing. Um, I was thinking about this last night, I was just in the shower, I like to think while I'm in the shower. Trying to scrub my nether regions and get them all clean, uh, as you probably do yourself, and um, you know Joe and I have talked uh, over the years about the great man of history theory and uh, how 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 true that is or isn't in various cases and that sort of stuff. I think what you've had in the last week is a clear example of uh, a man affecting the world. President Zelensky of Ukraine if he had decided to take the advice of our president Biden who told him to leave the country and set up a government somewhere else to save himself and the uh, and the uh, other government officials if he had taken the United States advice I think Russia would have fallen immediately the people would have uh, the people would have fought not near as hard and that would have just kind of fallen apart. And certainly the world would not have rallied the way they did, whether it's the hundred thousand people in the streets in Berlin or all over the world rallying around the Ukrainians or the way governments have changed their positions in the blink of an eye Germany who has a law that says they will not allow uh, weapons to go to countries in a conflict. It goes way back. They were forbidding, they, uh, Germany sells a lot of weapons to a lot of countries, but they wouldn't let other countries that they had sold weapons to give them to the Ukrainians. They, a week ago, they were still planning on uh, starting up Nord Stream 2 the pipeline and taking uh, natural gas from Russia putting dollars in Putin's pocket. A lot of things were different a week ago. But all that changed because President Zelensky said, no, I'm staying. I'm staying. And my, and my cabinet's staying. And my family's staying. And we're all staying and fighting. Him making that decision changed world opinion, whether it's the protester on the street or world leaders. There's a great article, I think it was in the New York Times yesterday, About how, and I don't know if you've heard this, we'll get into more of the details later, but there was a phone call, I think, Saturday night, our time, Friday night or Saturday night, our time, with world leaders, in which President Zelensky was there in a bunker, and he was, begging is the wrong word, but uh, maybe pleading is a better word, for uh, other European nations to help them out. You know, send us some more arms, send us some more stuff. We need help. And at the end of that phone call or that Zoom call in which he could be seen with all the leaders, France, uh, Germany, Italy, they're all there. Uh, At the end of that phone call, Zelensky said, this might be the last time I see you alive. And according to people that were in that on the Zoom call and some people that were in the room when this happened, There were teary eyes everywhere, and it really had an emotional effect on these European leaders. And at that moment, minds were changed. And Germany has since said, yeah, we're going to send you all kinds of weaponry. And so have a whole bunch of other countries. Said that we're sending fighter planes, we're sending bullets, we're sending, we're sending whatever we can. The surrounding countries to Ukraine, who are welcoming in the refugees, they're there at the border with hot food and fresh shoes and clothes, and and people opening up their homes to Ukrainian refugees, is giving them some place to stay. Mostly women and children, as the men are staying behind. Oh, and another amazing story. There are so many amazing stories that I can't wait to talk about throughout the show. But another amazing story is seeing the lines of women and children heading out of Ukraine and seeing the young men headed into Ukraine. Lines from people, Ukrainians that live in other countries in Europe, coming back to fight for their country. They're coming back into the country. It's absolutely amazing. And we've got so many examples of that throughout the day. And again, it's an example of the great man of history theory, where one man, Zelensky, saying, nope, I'm staying. We offered to get him out again over the weekend, and he said, I don't need a ride. I need ammunition. He continues to hold firm, and he is going to fight. And um, I tweeted out late last night, Putin, if you want to lose, kill Zelensky. Because if Zelensky dies, you're going to see Ukrainian um, uh, fighting increase tenfold, and the world is going to come together in a way to want to punish Putin because everybody's rallied around this young guy. The comedian turned president turned Winston Churchill over the last week. And, uh, Putin, if Putin makes a martyr out of him, he's doomed. Putin is doomed. I don't know if he knows that or not. I don't know if he's crazy or not. That's another conversation we got to get into with a lot of people now speculating that Putin, Putin has just lost it. Threatening, um, nuclear weapons again yesterday, putting his nuclear weapon team on high alert. Holy crap. Who knows what he's capable of doing? Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today, uh, that we're going to get through, um, Uh, Throughout a four-hour show and hopefully some uh, great guests to explain. I know we have Mike Lyons coming up later to see where we are now. Do need to throw in this caveat, I suppose, and this has been the concern all weekend long to me, is that Russia has a giant military. They have uh, subjugated a number of peoples around the world. And sometimes it takes more time than he thought it would take. How 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 many times did we hear Russia's going to get bogged down in Syria? They're going to lose in Syria. They're going to be isolated on the world stage. And he just kept blowing up hospitals and schools until he finally won. And that might be what's coming in Ukraine this week. Anyway, do we need to start the show officially? Is that the way it works, Michael? Yep. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. How did it get to be Monday already? It is a Monday, February the twenty eighth. Oh, it's the last day of February. Because February is that weird short month. February twenty eighth, year twenty twenty two, new you in twenty two. We are Armstrong and getting. And we approve of this program. Let's begin. John
3: McCain sh- was was right. He said he looked into Vladimir Putin's eyes and saw the KGB. And that's what we're seeing. A small, evil, feral eyed man. There you go.
1: Dropped an S F E E M on him. Small, feral, evil-eyed man from Mitt Romney there. Mitt Romney was on fire yesterday. I appreciated CNN yesterday when they had Mitt Romney on, playing the clip from the 2012 presidential debate in which Barack Obama was roundly praised by pundits for making fun of Mitt Romney, for Mitt Romney claiming that Russia was our number one geopolitical foe. Which at the time was true, and as you can see right at this moment, seems to be true. Uh, certainly, right behind China. So uh, Mitt didn't take the bait on that on CNN and uh, was ready to look forward. But then he uh, he was pretty strong on um, on uh, what we need to do to combat Russia and how big a deal this is. And, and, and you know, another thing that that changed uh, the, the the lack of willingness to go that next level of sanctions. Where we were on Friday, a lot of that resistance went away over the weekend, and the toughest sanctions in world history that have ever been put on, there's still room to grow that, but a lot of minds were changed there. I think some of these leaders, whether it's Biden or Schultz in Germany or whatever, are just seeing the protests in the street, and they want to be on the right side of history. You know, politicians do what politicians do. They uh, figure out which way the wind is blowing sometimes, and the wind is blowing toward support Ukraine. Anyway, we've got a lot coming up. I hope you can stay with us. Our text line is 415 295 KFTC.
2: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: You don't see it on the streets, but you hear about it in text messages from middle class Russians. There is near panic here about what appears to be a new iron curtain falling, particularly between Russia and Europe. Remember, many middle class Russians have deep connections uh, to Europe. Uh, What we're hearing about through those messages from uh, ordinary people and from wealthy Russians is people stocking up on food and medicine, about ATMs not working for particular uh, Russian uh, banks. Uh, Russians, as I mentioned, connected to Europe, getting phone calls uh, from European banks asking them to close their accounts.
1: Yeah, that's got to be a little uh, troubling. Yeah, panic on the streets of Moscow and all around Russia. The question is, can it happen fast enough to save Ukraine? Because it's uh, there's not a lot of time to waste. In fact, we'll hear some uh, learned people talking about how the next day or two or three are going to be so critical. We'll hear about that in just a few minutes. I uh, wanted to hit you with some of the economic stuff that uh, many of us were waiting for today when the markets opened back up after those heavy, heavy sanctions hit over the weekend and just... I'm uh, both surprised and pleased that world opinion has shifted so much in a week, so much in just a few days, that now a whole bunch of countries that were holding firm, including the United States, they're holding firm against the biggest sanctions are now starting to go that direction. And, uh, you know, they're politicians again, so I, I don't know how much of it is, you know, seeing Zelensky on TV. I mean... How do you not watch that guy and the Ukrainians out there fighting in the streets and you you want to go over there and join him yourself? I mean it's absolutely amazing. That video. We got to talk about that later the the uh, I'll have the transcript, but that video he put out on Saturday cuz Russia was trying to spread the rumor that the president of Ukraine had fled. And he wanted to put that to the rest to rest. So he's out on a city street somewhere in Kiev in the dark and it's him and like his whole cabinet. It's him and the vice president and the secretary of the treasury or whoever, you know, whatever they call their positions, all the people around him. And he and he he does a selfie video on his phone, just says, hey, I'm still here. These guys are here. We are all here and uh, we're not going anywhere. And I mean, it was just fantastic. And that's when world leaders started saying, yeah, 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 the sanctions, let's do it. Let's send arms. I know we're not supposed to, but we're going to send them anyway. So uh, uh, as the sanctions were hitting over the weekend, we were all wondering, you know, what's going to happen when the markets open uh, today? And there has been a crash in Russia. The ruble crashes, the stock market closes, and Russia's economy staggers under sanctions from the New York Times. As the day began, Russia's currency lost as much as a quarter of its value within hours of opening. Can you imagine if that happened in the United States? There would be panic. Scrambling to stem the decline, the Russian Central bank more than doubled its key interest rates, so interest rates doubled in a couple hours today as the markets opened. Imagine that. if you're planning on buying a house or a car or you're just you know your credit card rate or anything, um, it banned foreigners from selling Russian securities and ordered exporters to convert its rub into rubles, most of its foreign currency revenues. It closed the Moscow Stock exchange for the day because of what they said quote was a developing situation. Like we closed the stock market uh, on or after 9-11 because things were just too out of control and the markets would go too wild. Russia has done that today. This is the latest update. The ruble is now worth less than one U.S. penny. Stock market being in complete free fall. Russian interest rates went from 9.5%, already high by our standards of the last several years, from 9.5% to 20%. They got 20% interest rates now, and I doubt that that's the uh, the ceiling for the week. The economic reality has, of course, changed, said Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov. Yeah, I would say the economic reality has changed. So that's good news. So that's going to put Russians in the street, um, and there's going to be a lot of political pressure on Putin, and we'll see how he reacts to it. Is he going to react like a caged beast and uh, unleash tactical nukes or start bombing apartment buildings? Or is he going to realize as a, as a um, what's the word everybody keeps throwing around? Um, is he, what's the word? Somebody help me. Not crazy. Rational. That's the word everybody uses. Uh, if he's rational, a rational person would realize I guessed wrong. The world has risen up. The Ukrainians have risen up. This isn't going the direction I need it to or wanted it to. I need to recalibrate. That's what a rational person would do because he's facing disaster. But if he's irrational, he's going to double down, and I would bet on the latter. Here's a couple of the things that happened over the weekend that were entertaining. Pornhub. Pornhub is one of the world's biggest websites. I wasn't aware how powerful it was until it got into legal trouble a couple of months back. Um, It's it's a monster among all websites on the planet, Pornhub. And it's what you'd expect from the title. It's a pornography website. Well, they don't get to look at it. You don't get to enjoy their porn in Russia anymore. The sanction nobody is talking about. Russian users who thought, you know what? All this fighting and everything's got me stressed out. I think I'll go enjoy a little pornography, said a 20-year-old Russian man. No, he didn't. When he attempted to visit Pornhub on Friday... He all you would get is a message telling them the content has been stopped and there's a Ukrainian flag along with a message of Ukrainian support. Hashtag Ukraine. Hashtag Ukraine invasion. So they got you go to you go to look at porn on Pornhub and you get the Ukrainian flag there in Russia and a statement of support. Well, doesn't doesn't that ruin your evening? You know, a lot of that stuff is uh, it, it's minor and major at the same time. It's like uh, b- bars all around the world that are pouring out Russian vodka. You know, it's just it's 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 just part of the tidal wave of support for Ukraine that I think matters. The individual things, you know, aren't going to matter that. Much. I saw some economic breakdown of how much vodka is Russian and how it'll affect. That's not the point. You freaking morons. That's not the point. It's just everybody saying we're on this side. You're on that side and you're screwed. That's the point for Putin to get the message that everybody is against him. Awesome. Uh, One of our favorite. Tweeters tweeted over the weekend, Zelensky has done an absolutely incredible thing. That's the president of Ukraine created a dynamic where the Russians killing him will make the situation infinitely worse for them. That's what I was talking about a little bit. You want to guarantee a loss, Putin? Kill Zelensky. That is something. we got a lot more on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
4: Imagine
2: you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Minnie Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox.
1: You can't go around it, so you just go through
2: it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
3: The Armstrong and Getty
0: Show. The government has called on men 18 to 60 to step up and fight, handing out around 18,000 weapons. They don't want us revealing this location because they don't want it to be a target for the Russian military. But we have seen a steady stream of volunteers. The commander told us it's not hundreds, but thousands, very few with any military experience, every single one of them ready to fight.
1: So inspiring around the world to see that there is still a hunger for freedom and to support freedom. And, um, seeing those people line up willing to lay down their lives to fight the Russians absolutely amazing. I know I tweeted out a story the New York Times had with the, all these dudes lined up. I mean, just as far as you could see in the line, and a lot of them old men, a lot of young men. Um, But a lot of old men, you're like a 65-year-old man. You're going to go out there and you're going to stand in line. You're going to get your gun and you're going to go hide behind a building and you're going to shoot the first Russian you see. That is just absolutely amazing. Um, Germany, as I mentioned, will deliver weapons to Ukraine in a major policy shift. They had said for weeks now that, no, that's against our uh, national law and we won't do that sort of thing momentum builds in U. U in uh, the united slow down jack i've had a lot of coffee i got up i stayed up really late watching all this news i got up really early watching all this news and i've had a lot of coffee um momentum is building in the eu to um cut russia from the swift payment system completely even though it's going to damage their own economies germany is going to send weapons to ukraine including anti-aircraft missiles and tank busting rockets and a reversal of their earlier policy, which, call it, we're going to talk to Mike Lines to kick off our number two, our uh, military go-to guy. Mike Lines said last week, he said, we ought to kick Germany out of NATO. And I would agree. He said, they're worthless at this point. Well, they uh, they, they they either just, you know, maybe I'm too cynical. Maybe that new president, Chancellor Schultz, was just responding to 100,000 young Germans on the street of Berlin over the weekend protesting in favor of the Ukrainians and wanting to help them more. Maybe he's just responding to political pressure, or maybe, like the New York Times stated, he was on that Zoom call with Zelensky when Zelensky said, this is the last time you might see me alive, and thought, God dang it, I'm going to help this young guy. Either way, Germany is sending weapons to Ukraine, reversing their earlier policy. It is our duty to support Ukraine to the best of our ability in defending against Putin's invading army. Schultz said in a statement. He's only been chancellor for a couple of weeks. That is why we are delivering 1,000 anti take weapons and 500 Stinger missiles to our friends in Ukraine. And they're also allowing, Germany's also now allowing, other countries that they sold arms to to deliver them. Netherlands will deliver German-made weapons to Ukraine, breaking with its strict refusal to authorize the delivery of lethal weapons to Ukraine, German government officials said. That is a huge change. She so got the the major stuff like that. And we've promised a whole bunch of more lethal weaponry and everything like that. One thing I want to ask my clients about is when I hear that, the first thing I think is, how long does it take to get an anti aircraft gun from somewhere in military base in Germany to uh you know, into a guy's hands in Ukraine where he can actually use it? Does that take days? Weeks? Months? I don't have any sense of that. And the reporters who've covered these stories never Add that in. Uh, oddly enough to me, that's the first question I have. How long is it going to take this lethal lethal aid to actually get there and do any good? And it might be too late, as we're going to hear in a little bit. Um, there are a number of people, including President Zelensky himself, who think the next 24, 48, 72 hours are crucial. And I don't know if any of those weapons that have been pledged are going to get into the hands of the good guys in time. Uh, in fact, i got a quote right here. Zelensky saying the next 24 hours are absolutely crucial. As talks has begun with Russia and they're holding on for dear life. Now, um, as to Russia's might and what they can do, David Martin was speaking
3: to that yesterday on Face the Nation on CBS. Russia has now committed about two-thirds of those one hundred and fifty thousand troops it had massed around the wow. border. Hundred thousand troops. And it has not been able to take a single major city. But You have to look at it and say they've still got 50,000 there on the border ready to commit and lots more troops back in Mother Russia. So uh, they may be suffering an embarrassment of arms, but I think most people still expect a breakthrough will come.
1: Yeah, I don't remember the name of the woman. She was with uh, American Enterprise Institute. She was on Meet the Press yesterday. And uh, she is a cold-hearted studier of this sort of stuff throughout her life. And Chuck Todd to meet the press, said, um, can the Ukrainians hold off the Russians? And she said, no. And I thought, ooh, uh, there's some reality for you. There's a reason we use war lingo when we're watching and following sports. It's because sports is so much like war. I think that's one of the reasons that people enjoy sports, get into sports, root for it the way they do, particularly men. And uh, all of the same emotions and everything like that. And what you've got right here is a team that wasn't supposed to win, that had no business winning the Ukrainians against the Russians, and they're winning. But as often happens in sports, the team that's got the best players and the deepest bench and the best strength. You know, the best everything over the long game eventually wins. And that's what I'm worried is going to happen with Russia. Anyway, how far
3: is Putin willing to go? David Martin got into that. The Pentagon war games, stuff like this, Uh, a Russian invasion of a country in Europe bogs down. The U.S. and NATO starts to come to their defense. Russia sets off a small, low-yield nuclear weapon, just to shock everybody into staying in place and stepping back for a moment and considering what's going on here. I don't want to scare people with the thought that Russia is somehow getting prepared to launch nuclear missiles Mm -hmm. at the U.S. I don't think that is likely. But the problem is, if just one low-yield nuclear weapon goes off, even if he just does a demonstration shot out in Siberia, there's just no experience for, for what happens next.
1: There is no experience for what happens next, and I'm sure President Biden has been huddled with his uh, the best on his team to discuss how they would react to that since Putin has threatened it now. He's mentioned nuclear weapons or threatened nuclear weapons three times in five days, including yesterday when he announced and he and he holds these meetings on tv um which is which is an interesting maneuver he has these meetings acting like they're you know just them sitting around talking but they're 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 for consumption by um the the population of russia and the population of the world and he mentioned in the meeting that you know put our nuclear forces on on high alert Which, of course, is a threat of some sort. Uh, Get out of my way, or I'm willing to go this far. Is he crazy enough to do that or not? That's what everybody is guessing. And like I said, I'm sure Biden's team is trying to figure out how they would react. Obviously, uh, a nuke in Kiev, the world responds immediately. But as David Martin of CBS just pointed out there, a low-level nuke out in the desert, just kind of as a show of force. How do we react to that? I don't know. i got to say, there were more people brushing up against the idea, whether journalists or politicians over the weekend, of U.S. involvement in this thing. It was completely off the table. The stated position is it's off the table still. But it was completely off the table last week with anybody that you talked to. As we got further through the weekend, there were more people saying, well, in this situation, that situation, the United States would have to get involved. So... The opportunity to get sucked into this in some way uh, has changed a lot in a couple of days. Everything has changed in a few days. World opinion changed Um for how long. I don't know. But uh, everything, everybody's view of this whole thing. Changed dramatically. I mean, if you were against it, you're now for it. If you were for it, you're now really for it. And that is supporting the Ukrainians. And um Where this ends up, I have no idea. Some of the stories coming out of this are absolutely fantastic. You got this Ukrainian brewery who stopped making beer, and they're making Molotov cocktails and passing them out to people with instructions on how to use them. A Molotov cocktail, of course, is a bottle full of some sort of flammable liquid, whether it's uh, gasoline or whatever, with some sort of device in it for it to catch on fire, and you throw one of those under a Jeep or a couple of them under a tank or whatever, and you can really cause a lot of problems, as we've seen around the world throughout history. Jeez, Molotov cocktails have been around for 130 years, probably. Uh, but the fact that they're making those in a brewery is absolutely fantastic. And I saw some of the training that average citizens were getting in Kiev on uh, how to attack a tank, you know, when's the best time, uh, how do you go about it, that sort of stuff, based on writings that are out there from people who, who specialize in urban warfare. Fascinating stuff. We'll have to get into more of that later. A couple more stories I wanted to jam in real quick before we take a break. You know the Hackers Anonymous, whether that's a guy or two guys or a giant group, the Hackers Anonymous, who have sometimes been on the side of good, in my opinion, and sometimes been on the side of bad, but they're some of the best hackers in the world, have been going after Russia. And they are responsible for they claimed responsibility over the over the weekend. And I have no reason to doubt them because they are some of the best hackers out there. They took responsibility over the weekend for denial of service attacks on Russian government websites. So Russia um, is going up against Anonymous and a whole bunch of other hackers from around the world. I'm sure our own, you know, works for our own Pentagon hackers and having to deal with that. And I saw one military expert on one of the shows yesterday, uh, an American guy saying, right now, I'd take a guy who's really good with a laptop over 10 guys in tanks in terms of the ability to do damage in a war. That's how much has changed in the Internet era. But that is awesome. When you've got breweries making Molotov cocktails, when you got Pornhub denying porn to Russians and you've got. The best hackers in the world saying, you know what, I don't like what Putin's doing. I'm gonna go after him. That's some good stuff right there. Wanna hear from you? Text line is four one five two nine five KFTC some more angles of this story that you might not have heard of on the way.
2: We'll
1: It's time for the president and some of our European partners to quit pussyfooting around. The financial sanctions announced last night are riddled with loopholes. I know that they say they've sanctioned 80% of the banks in Russia. Well, Vladimir Putin controls 100% of the banks in Russia. He can use the other 20% to continue to finance his war machine. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to understand why we aren't going the whole hog route on uh, on these various sanctions. Like, there are cutouts for um, energy for, I believe, Germany and Italy. Uh, several countries, and the idea being that it would do more harm than good, I, I don't know. Um, but in its current form, it's the toughest sanctions that ever been uh, put on anybody in the world. I have been mocking sanctions as long as we've been doing talk radio, because I rarely see them do anything, whether it was stopping ru- uh, Putin in Syria or a little fathead from getting a nuke in North Korea, or Iran, or anybody else. People seem to do whatever they want to do. It's because the sanctions are always so weak, and they always have so many um, loopholes. And oftentimes, there are other countries that go around. So we'll put sanctions on them, and a bunch of European countries go around it and help Saddam Hussein out. Or we put heavy sanctions on Putin, and China helps him out. So it's very difficult. But one aspect that could have an effect is going after these um, uh, these various oligarchs, the Russian billionaires that are friends of Putin, and there's always been some belief that Putin serves at the pleasure of their support, that if Putin lost their support, it'd be very difficult for him. This broke over the weekend, U.S. and allies to launch a multilateral transatlantic task force to identify, hunt down, and freeze the assets of sanctioned Russian companies and oligarchs, that'd be the billionaires, their yachts, their mansions, and any other ill-gotten gains, says the White House. Now, how how hard each individual country goes at these people, I don't know. Boris Johnson made some positive noises about Great Britain over the weekend because there's a lot of these oligarchs that have, you know, uh, uh, some of those super fancy yachts in San Diego. They belong to any of the Russian billionaires. I'll, I'll bet some of them do. Uh, they have those in uh, London or wherever, and they got giant homes. And they got their kids in the expensive colleges and all that sort of stuff. And that could be cut off by the Western world. This breaking today from CNN business out of London, Russian billionaires can't pronounce his name and can't pronounce his name, have broken ranks with the Kremlin and called for an end to Russia's war in Ukraine. So two of the billionaires, and apparently there are 50 Russian billionaires that have gotten that rich through Putin's kleptocracy? I don't know where these two rank. Uh, One of them, who was born in western Ukraine, wrote in a letter to staff that he wanted the bloodshed to end. My parents are Ukrainian citizens and live in my favorite city, which is Lviv. But I also spend much of my life as a citizen of Russia, building and growing businesses. I'm deeply attached to Ukrainian and Russian peoples, and I want this to end. Uh, Does a trickle of a couple of billionaires sticking their heads up and calling for the end of the war... Speaking to Putin through the media, does a trickle of a couple turn into a whole bunch? I don't know. I hope so. But if they are going to be hurt enough financially, personally, you know, these guys are into self-interest like everybody is. They're going to say, hey, what am I getting out of this? Other than uh, we're all becoming pariahs on the world stage, and now some people know my name. Um, What am I getting out of this? Cut it out. I saw one good story about... um, one of the Russian oligarchs. Oh, so the guy who runs state media there in Russia, he's like the number one anchor in uh, the country. I was going to say Walter Cronkite, but that's a, you got to be over 50 to get that reference. But like a, a well respected anchor of the TV news, even though he's in the employ of Putin, cried on TV the other day in Russia as he was talking about the sanctions and the realities that he was going to lose his yacht and his home and all the different stuff that he's got. Good. Sorry to see you're crying. Elon Musk announced over the weekend that Starlink service is now active in Ukraine. That's some sort of ability for people to have access to Internet. Is that how that works, Michael? I don't know much. Yeah. I don't know much about what that satellite is. Satellite Internet. Cool. So Elon Musk trying to get satellite Internet going there in Ukraine in case the Russians shut it down. That's its own questions. How? How or why... Has the Russian military not shut down all communications? That's what everybody expected at the beginning was lights get turned off, Internet gets turned off, et cetera, et cetera. Hacking into this, hacking into that. And there were. Ukraine suffered the biggest hacks in its nation's history right before this all started. But they're still, uh, their cell phones are still on. The lights are still on most places. Nobody's exactly sure why. Is that a choice by Putin, or has he not been able to pull it off? It's an excellent question. Now, this was announced yesterday. Um, NATO has said that a cyber attack on a NATO member may trigger Article 5. Article 5. In the NATO charter is the idea that an attack on one is an attack on all. For instance, if Putin was to bomb Poland, we are all, in theory, everybody in NATO, including the United States, is obligated to come to, to, come to Poland's defense. That is the way NATO works. Ukraine isn't in NATO. That's the the crux of the whole thing, in theory. Um, but NATO announcing that a cyber attack could trigger Article 5, means Putin has to be very, very careful because if he launched a cyber attack to turn off the electricity in Ukraine, and it also happened to affect electricity in Poland, from what I've read, and if, say, the electricity goes out in a hospital and some people die because the electricity was turned off, or some soldiers are hurt because the military um, base, the electricity was shut off. So Putin would have to be very targeted make sure it stays in the borders of Ukraine, or he has launched a cyber attack on a NATO country, and we all might you know, use that as the excuse to just un- unleash NATO hell on him. That was a new wrinkle that happened yesterday. That was a response, at least somewhat, to him saber-rattling about nuclear weapons again. We can get into some of the details on that with Mike Lyons who's going to kick off Hour 2 of the show. He knows more about this than I do, and I can't wait to talk to him. We talked to him on Friday, but a lot has changed since Friday. If you miss an hour of the show, you can grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com, armstrongandgetty.com, and uh, you can join us if you want on the text line at four one five two nine five kftc Much more to come.
2: Armstrong and Getty.